Welcome back to the Brookfield Group Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Laudenslager. And on this episode, I sit down with Kelly Smith of the Heroes Foundation and Stephanie Lusher of the Peachy Fund. We talk about planning at a virtual event, pivoting to new platforms, and the outreach advantages of going completely virtual. Find out more information by going to thebrookfieldgroup.com. Kelly and Stephanie, thanks for joining me on the show. I really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, thank you for having us. Yes, thanks for having us. Of course, we're uh, exhibiting very extreme social distancing from a uh, remote location, undisclosed. Each of us are. (laughs) Mysterious. So Heroes Foundation and the Peachy Fund. Kelly, why don't I start with you? Why don't you explain what the Heroes Foundation is and the, you know, I know that you could probably talk for hours what it is and what it does. Maybe give us like a broad overview and and your role. Yeah, my name is Kelly Smith. I am the executive director for the Heroes Foundation. I am still within my first year of joining the foundation last fall. And Heroes Foundation is a Indiana cancer foundation that provides support and prevention and research um, for cancer. And our foundation is that we support strictly the Indiana cancer community at this time. Founded 20 years ago by Vince Todd Jr. and his wife, Cindy, after he went through his battle with cancer. And they decided to start this foundation to be able to give back and provide resources for people that are going through something very similar. From there, it started with a gala 20 years ago and has then stemmed to what the foundation is now, which is quite impressive what they've been able to accomplish in just the 20 years. From the events that we have, the different research that we've been able to conduct and partner with researchers throughout Indiana, as well as start to build a platform for people to understand prevention. A lot of times cancer is coming from even our environmental situations. And so sometimes our health and our wellness has been a big part of that as well. We are not cancer specific. Our motto is all cancer sucks. And whether you are a little child and you're going through whatever your battle is, or somebody that has lived a great life and is still battling cancer, it is all all part of the Heroes Foundation. We want to serve everybody. I think that's so neat when a charity organization is started by somebody who's directly affected because there's such a authenticity that comes with somebody like that where they come in and say i've already done i've experienced this i know what everybody's going through yeah Um, if um, people visit our website heroesfoundation.com they can actually read the whole story about vince's journey what they went through at he was i think around mid-20s at the time brand new family going through something that is so challenging and to be able to turn this into something so positive. Yeah, the the story in the background of the Heroes Foundation is, it's very chilling when you hear that story to think what they went through at such a young age. Yeah, I can't even, I can't imagine it's like my age right now. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Stephanie. Are you there, Stephanie? Hello. Sorry. It cut out a little. Can you hear me okay? Yeah. Okay, great. Stephanie, so the Peachy Fund, why don't you talk a little bit about that, your role, 
and how that all links back together with the Heroes Foundation. Sure, I'd be happy to. My name is Stephanie Lesher. I'm the program manager for the Catherine Peachy Fund. We are a program of the Heroes Foundation. The Catherine Peachy Fund began 26 years ago, and we joined the Heroes Foundation four years ago. Much like the Heroes Foundation, we started off as a result of a passion for a beautiful woman, in this case, who lost her battle with breast cancer, but her friends and family wanted to continue her legacy and her passionate belief in research for breast cancer. And Catherine Peachy lost her battle at 41. She had three young children. My mom was a dear friend of Catherine's and met her through, sorry. (laughs) There's a squeaking toy in the background. I'm coming back. You're good. Sorry, sorry. Catherine Peachy lost her battle with breast cancer when she was 41. She had three young children. And my mom, who was a good friend of hers and actually met her through the breast cancer community because my mom is a two-time breast cancer survivor herself. And she and Kathy were introduced to each other, became very close friends. And when Kathy was dying, she looked up at my mom and um, her husband and asked them to please continue her legacy and um, to continue to fund breast cancer research. So that is what our families have done together for the past 26 years now. And when Vince, Todd, and I met each other, we quickly saw all the commonalities in our founding and our passions and our commitment to finding an end to cancer and to supporting the community. So The Catherine Peachy Fund's mission specifically is to fund breast cancer research in the state of Indiana. And we have, um, over our 26-year history, funded $3.6 million worth of breast cancer research in the state of Indiana. And again, all through grassroots fundraising and efforts. And we really love being a part of the Heroes Foundation because they are tremendous support to us and um, have helped us really grow our reach and our fundraising and the amount of research that we've been able to fund since being a part of their organization. So fundraising obviously is like a big thing with both the Heroes Foundation and the Peachy Fund. That obviously is circled around events, in-person events. Correct. And obviously what we're going through now with COVID-19 and people staying at home and working at home and not being able to attend large events. Um, both of the organizations recently had a, a big uh, funding event. Um, Stephanie was uh, Wine with Peachy, correct? I'm sorry, I couldn't hear that last part. Oh, sorry. It, Stephanie, it was your, the last event you guys had was Wine with Peachy, right? Yeah, Wine Tasting with Peachy. It was our sixth annual Wine Tasting with Peachy and our first ever virtual Wine Tasting with Peachy. So take us back, time travel, <laughs> before times. Okay. What is this event normally? What is, what, how do you, where is it located? How do people get involved? That kind of thing. Sure. Typically, we have always partnered with Peace Water Winery in Carmel. The last three years, we've sold out this event. So in 2019, we expanded to include two events, one at Peace Water Winery in Carmel and one in uh, one at Peace Water Winery in downtown. 
And the fundraising primarily comes via our sponsors. And then we ticket sales for the event. And then Peace Water Winery generously donates 10% of all wine bottle sales at the event back to the organization. But historically, there has been, we have not, there's literally been zero virtual component to this. We have not ever done a silent auction. We really don't do fundraising at the event per se. It's all money that we raise leading up to the event. And this year, we were really excited to be expanding to a larger venue. We had planned to be at the Indiana Design Center. We had our first professional musician that was going to be there. We had partnered with Prime 47 to have a lovely buffet of appetizers and desserts, and we were going to have a very small silent auction at the event. As we got into March and April, we were reevaluating and talking to a lot of our sponsors who were not going to be able to attend as a result of COVID. And so we had thought that we would try a hybrid approach where we would have a VIP experience at Peacewater and then a virtual experience at home. And we were working through those details. And as we got closer to the event, realized that really it was not going to be the responsible thing for us, particularly because we serve the cancer community to have a live event under the circumstances. I just don't think anyone imagined that by August, the situation would be what it has been. So we made the decision to go 100% virtual. And to be honest with you, while it was stressful, it was incredibly inspiring because we had so many people and organizations like the Brookfield Group that really stepped up and offered their expertise and their help in in helping us pull off something that certainly Kelly nor I or anyone on our committee had any experience in doing. So the event did go 100% virtual. That meant that we moved our auction online. We used a platform called Givergy to do that, and we had 100% online auction. We were able to have about three times the number of items that we had expected to have at the live event. And we found we didn't charge admission for tickets. And we found that we had porch parties happening not not only across the state of Indiana, but across the country. We had um, people attending from the East Coast and the West Coast and places that would not otherwise have been able to attend. So we broke our attendance records and our fundraising records by taking this event 100% virtual, which I still can't quite believe. It's a it's definitely a, a different experience going completely virtual with the two, even with the two locations that you guys were going to um, have set up in person. What was, can you give me the number of what was the sold out number? Like how many people sure. could you possibly you know, right. get into so, those venues? Yeah. So the capacity per the fire marshal at Peacewater Winery in Carmel is 125 and that includes inside and outside and downtown, the capacity is 175. And although that was a last minute addition last year, we didn't technically sell out the downtown, but we always sell out the Carmel event. Kelly and I were able to estimate from the numbers that we could see online and the groups that we knew were gathering that we had closer to 300 people attending this year. And we raised right around $35,000 this year, whereas in the past, we've netted about 28,000 was our max last year in 2019. So significant growth in both attendance and fundraising. You talked about your process of paring down the event and pivoting the event. That was definitely a hard decision to make, I bet. 
You know, it wasn't. It, it was in the sense that it made us sad to give up our grand plans for this year with the bigger venue and the live music and the great food. And, but it was actually a very easy decision at the end of the day. Our board of directors gave us very strong direction. And I felt very, very strongly that our event is, a, is about eating and drinking and party mingling. And you can't do that with a mask on. And it just, it, it also just, again, with the community that we serve, being the cancer community, it felt irresponsible to even take the risk of being together like that. In some ways, it was difficult to let go of the excitement that we had around the event that we had planned. But making the decision at the end of the day it just was obvious that was the way we needed to go. People's health first. Exactly. One component that I really thought was a creative idea with the Wine Tasting with Peachy event was your home boxes that you sent out beforehand. Explain yeah. how you got those together and, and the concept behind the home party boxes. Sure, I'm happy to. And before I answer that question, I'm going to apologize now for the lawn service that's happening outside <laughs> of my home. I don't know if you can hear that. It's a little, it's a little oh, bit. Gosh, I am so embarrassed and so sorry. I am so really a stay-at-home mom, Chris, that is like <laughs> as low-tech as they come. That's, that's all right. Um, definitely doing the best I can here. Okay, yes, the stay-at-home boxes, we call them our enhanced virtual experience mouthful there, but we wanted to explain really what the concept was. And so when we made the decision to go virtual, one of the things that really upset us the most was that we had these vendors um, and partners that we had agreed to work with and who had agreed to work with us. And we felt like in the midst of everything, we were going to be letting down these local businesses. They had expected our business and we were thinking creatively about how we could include them. And so what we ended up doing was talking to the owner of Peace Water and he agreed to do a virtual wine tasting, which it was the first time he'd ever done anything like that too. And so we said, okay, let's pick the two wines that you're going to talk about. And we, so we got the two bottles of wine. We had, um, because we were going to be offsite from Peace Water this year, we had already ordered Catherine Peachy Fund wine glasses that we were going to be using at the event and then people would be taking them home as their, their takeaway gift. So we included two wine glasses in the package. We sourced individually wrapped snacks and treats from local businesses and included those in the box. We have a fundraising cookbook. We went ahead and included that in there. And I included some other marketing materials about the Catherine Peachy Fund. We have Catherine Peachy Fun coloring pages. So just to make it a little bit more whimsical, we put a box of Crayola crayons in there and the coloring pages. And we sold out of those. Uh, we had to actually cut off the sales because we were physically packaging them ourselves and delivering them to people and getting them shipped across the country. And we were like, okay, we've maxed out on how many of these we can handle. And I think one of the great things about those, not only were we able to support our local businesses, but it created a sense of togetherness and a sense of uh, festivity, if you will. It was a party in a box. And I know we have actually received those now from a couple of other organizations for virtual events that we were attending or being asked to attend. And I think it's really 
it's a trend right now in 2020. It's a piece of the virtual event experience. But we, people were, we also really made an effort to make the packages pretty. And we worked with a company that does this as a rule and we wrapped it in twill with beautiful ribbon and had a handwritten thank you note that we attached to it. And people, we got so much, so many compliments. People were really surprised at how nice it was. It was a lot nicer than they were expecting. And I think that created a really positive and fun vibe around the event. And then for people that were hosting home parties or porch parties and watching our live event, they were able to have this pretty spread out on the table and So, yeah, I think it really added a lot. It was all of it was a happy accident. We didn't have time to be strategic and we were just really fortunate with the generosity. When I when I reached out, I one of the things I loved about doing the virtual experience was that in a time where there's so much darkness and negativity, you just get barraged by it on a daily basis. This was so positive and I was so amazed at how people were so generous. Um, of spirit and of finance and of time. And it was very uplifting to me as the organizer to see that. It was really encouraging. And I think it was a fun night for everybody that was involved. So it was a a bright spot in the midst of all of this. (laughs) Definitely. With the the boxes, the at-home kits, I don't know if either of you are um, big YouTube fans who watch people unboxing things. That's a big trend of here's my technology, here's my new phone, or here's my whatever, my makeup, or I'll unbox it for the camera. And there's definitely something there when you're virtually connected through a camera that, oh, I'm attending this virtual event, but now I have a box, a physical thing here, just like everybody else. And then Mm -hmm. that connection with, oh, they get this, the same wine glasses or the coloring pages and it just really makes those people go and engage more. Mm-hmm. Um, Thank with, you for with saying that. Thank you for saying that. Again, it really was a happy accident. I, I wish that I could say it had been really well thought out and strategized, but it, I learned so much from doing it. Everything that you said became very evident to us based on the feedback that we were receiving. And again, the number of people that attended, and we asked people to take photos of themselves and their groups and they're watching the event. And that, I mean, Kelly, that don't you, wouldn't you agree? It was so fun during the event to be receiving those. It, it made us feel less alone. It made it feel more like an event. And uh, Kelly was able to put a bunch of those photos together in an iMovie, which is fun to watch. I think you, know, you probably see. received about 30 or so images throughout the recording um, of the event while we were there at Peace Water. And she was sending them in of people sitting there everywhere from, yeah, I think from coast to coast. And it was neat seeing those people participating in this brand new virtual experience that we we wanted people to feel, even though they couldn't be there in person, that they were still a part of an actual event. Yeah. You guys mentioned um, pulling this all together at the last minute. I know that the Brookfield group was brought in at the 11th hour. It felt Mm -hmm. like some days and definitely learning new things, myself included, learning new things about setup and production and live events. We used Zoom webinar for a portion of it, and we also got out to Facebook live as well. I don't I think Facebook was probably more 
um, had more engagement. Um, I'm not sure. I wasn't looking directly at the numbers of you know, Kelly or Stephanie. You guys know better than I do. I think we definitely had more people viewing the event through the Zoom uh, webinar piece, but we did have people more engaged in the chat feature of the Facebook Live because with that, you can actually see when people are joining, um, especially if they're friends of yours. Then you can do a little shout out. They were saying thanks for attending. People were engaged in the pre-recorded videos that we did have from um, our researchers, and they were, you know, really involved in that aspect of it. I think that, you know, talking about the doing this within a couple of weeks, once we made the decision to go 100% virtual, Steph and I are definitely not tech savvy people. Our idea of, oh, we're just going to do, we joke around, but it was truly probably going to be us in a selfie stick, going Facebook live of some sort, or doing the, the, um, Zoom webinar with a laptop and then just trying to be stationary at one place and very low tech. And because of our involvement with the Brookfield Group as being one of the Heroes Foundation Summit sponsors and Daniel there that's on our board, we decided to meet a couple of weeks out to see what we can pull off from a tech side and for Daniel to pick his brain as far as, okay, what would work? What wouldn't work? Do you have any suggestions? And I told him, I said, I'm not wrapping you or volunteered you to come help with this, but had some amazing ideas. And then Chris, you were brought in and you guys just took this opportunity to make something that was such a high quality experience, not only for us as the organization putting on this event, but for everybody that was at home or on their patios watching the event from an end user aspect, we had such, and Steph got emails for weeks afterwards complimenting how well it was executed. And I was sitting there at Peace Water with my laptop and seeing it from that aspect as well. And it was just the transitions between the musician and our comedian and our MC and Stephanie and I speaking. And the videos was just something that I don't think Stephanie and I could have ever imagined would have gone off fantastic. No, I mean, we literally held our collective breaths for that entire hour plus that we were live and it went off without a hitch and that we give Chris, we give you and Daniel and the Brookfield group all of the credit for that. We were not capable at all. You were almost speaking a different language and we just trusted you and it was so great. So great. I appreciate that. And I, and I think to compliment you, you guys did such a fantastic job of planning the content. And that's something that I talk to people a lot from a production standpoint is we can throw cameras and lights and sound and all this fancy equipment and technical stuff at a project. But if there isn't core content behind it, the videos that you guys had already set up, your speaking parts, the MC, the music, the planning stuff, you had a, a second by second breakdown of the event, which was so helpful because we weren't from a production standpoint, we weren't worrying about what is this person going to say and where they're going to stand. That was already planned. And we can just focus on making a really great product and get it out to everybody. Yeah, that yeah. was something that took a lot of great coordination. With our experience in events, we're used to production schedules and knowing that 
especially if we are going live, you have to have some organization there. You, and, you know, Steph was fantastic at coordinating the, the videos that we were going to get in and when they should fall into place that made sense within. So it's not all these videos or speakers at once. It's broken out. We, we kept the musician and before and at the end of the event, people could listen to him play. I think finding the right MC that brought a uniqueness to it. You know, he's a comedian. So he was able to just roll with the flow. And but we did have it pre-planned out on where the videos were going to be, where we're going to do. When I told people we're doing a virtual wine tasting event, like how does that actually work? And I think when we had Peace Water and committee member Mary, when they were doing the actual wine tasting portion of that, it was you felt like you sitting on the other side of a computer that you could follow along. The conversations were great. They were able to talk about their experience. And I think it was a neat way to capture what we were seeing in person on the other end. And yeah, kudos to you guys for making it so seamless and for stuff putting together the, the production side of the schedule to make sure it did seem like we had planned this for months. Yeah, another happy accident was the fact that it kind of came together like a variety show in the sense that we had these, all these little bits. And so I don't think anyone had a chance to get bored at, in, at any one place and it kept it moving along. And yeah, I mean, everything from the musician to the comedian to us speaking. And if you're, if you run a not-for-profit and it's something that is really a part of your, you and your heart, you're such a passion, I could speak for you could just go on and on about it. It's so dear to me. And to condense all of that content into one hour was a challenge. But at the end of the day, I think that the fact that it was all of these little different bits that were interspersed between live and video and a speaker and a musician and a actual like wine tasting conversation between the owner of the winery and a breast cancer survivor. And I think that was part of its success. And again, not a lot of strategy went into that, but it, I, I would do it the same way again. You're ready worked. to be a television producer, <laughs> right? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> go. Go submit your resume to NBC. <laughs> I think one uh, portion, if we look after the fact, after the event is done, is in-person events are, are really great. You can create some really great memories from there, but... With a virtual event, we're able to now take that whole big production that you guys work so hard on and keep it and engage people later on. And maybe somebody comes back and, and finds the video and watches the whole thing and then gets involved that way. You almost, you create this like evergreen content almost that people will come back and see over and over again. Yeah, I think that's definitely one of the silver linings. And I love the fact too, that we can um, cut bits out of the video. Like again, because it was segmented for lack of a better term, we could, the winery can use, the winery can use the interview between Scott, the owner and the breast cancer survivor, Mary, who did the wine tasting together, and they could use that piece. And um, we can, I can use the piece of just myself speaking about the Catherine Peachy Fund, or Kat Kelly could use the piece about the Heroes Foundation. There's just so much there's so much opportunity after the fact. Exactly, Kelly. Let's let's talk about your the Heroes event that went completely virtual, the Piff Party or the Pay It Forward right. Friday. Correct, I got that. Yep. Okay, 
Yeah, so back in, so this event is, I guess it started the first year in 2012, and it's always been an in-person event. It's been held at a different location prior to my joining the Heroes Foundation, but the theme of it is Pay It Forward Friday. It's more of a, we've used the term anti-gala for this event because we want to be able to engage heroes, supporters of all ages. And we understand that a lot of times people that are in their their 20s, early 30s are still not as established maybe in their career path. And to attend a gala, it's costly. The events are having a, you know, tux or dress and all that, all the pieces that go into it. We wanted to find a way for those that maybe not attend a gala would still want to participate in an event that speaks to more of that generation. And so this PIF party was started and it's normally held in May before it had been held, I think in September, but it was going to be in May of this year. And because of the COVID pandemic, we decided early on back the end of March, early April, that it made a lot of sense to, to postpone it. Um, Just like the wine tasting event, we assumed come August, we would be in a much better place to be able to have a in-person event. And this year we had moved it to the Vogue um, in Broad Ripple area of Indianapolis. And our goal was to have a 900 capacity event where we could bring in people for a much lower cost type event to come and attend, listen to live music, have some beverages, just have a nice, more casual type event. And so moving it to the end of August was a pretty easy decision for us. And then as we are starting to get closer and hit summertime and knowing that, okay, can we do a hybrid event? If we can't have a full house and if we have to limit it to, you know, 400 people and half the capacity, then have this virtual side. And then we have a board of directors that has, is a very strong board. I've worked with some other foundations and have had to, to work with a lot of boards, but the leadership in this board with the Heroes Foundation is so strong. And for a month, I was torn on what to do with this event. Do we go all virtual? Do we cancel? Do we postpone? What do we do? And the board was very great. They said, just like the wine tasting, having something in person, especially at a bar, what kind of message does that send to people watching and seeing us in the fact that we serve the cancer community? And was able to decide to go 100% virtual. We had been in constant contact with our artist and the Vogue on what was possibly going to happen. And they worked with us greatly. So just like with the wine tasting, we reached out to you guys at the Brickfield Group to help us organize and plan and figure out what the tech side. The Vogue did that with us on the PIF. And they put us in contact with a video production team out of Indianapolis, as well as a um, platform called Mandolin. They're based out of Indianapolis as well. And they are a Um, platform that can be used for virtual concerts. And they have concerts all over the place. They've been, I think, doing some with Ryman Auditorium down in Nashville, Tennessee. And nowadays, actually, Steph and I were just talking um, on the phone before we we hopped on this podcast to they're attending online concerts. So this is a new trend that people are having these home parties. And so we, we made that switch and worked with our artists and our video production and Mandolin, it was all these little moving pieces to get together to be able to to pull off a successful concert. And so we were still able to use the Vogue facility, even though they're closed at this time. They let us come in. We set up the stage. They set up the videos, had all the sound checks, and we were able to do our intros and talk about the heroes and our um 
title sponsor for that event, Imagine, who came in and also talked about this and was able to introduce our artists. And we were able to sit home and people were able to sit home and watch this from the comfort of their home, but still have a very quality concert. Again, like you had mentioned too, something that we can record and is now on YouTube. And we've been able to share it on a platform for people who may not have been able to watch the event live. Just like the wine tasting, we decided to do a a free concert. We didn't know what to expect if people would purchase a online virtual concert ticket. So we just directed people to the website. They did have to register with their name and email address, but very similar. They were There was a chat feature on there. There were little emojis so people could like and do fire and clap emojis during the concert. We could engage as people were donating, do shout outs. And in the end, we learned so much from this event. You know, it was a great way to still find ways to engage our sponsors throughout the this online concert as well. And so we were just encouraging people throughout the concert and both our artists did a great job engaging the audience on home to hit the donate button that was located right there at the screen to to be able to engage and attend a free concert, but yet still give back to such a great cause. What's really interesting about the, the mandolin platform is that it's really built on having a little bit of a paywall because you're purchasing virtual tickets to then, then watch the stream. And it was really Interesting how you guys utilized it as a free platform, but then right below, like you said, it was click the donate button. And I think you even had the merch store. We did. Yeah, we had down shop. There. Yep. So people could purchase t-shirts and hats and merchandise from the heroes that still directed them back to our website to be able to engage. But it was nice to sit there and see as donations were coming in. They went hand in hand for when our, you know, Brett Wisconsin or Clayton Anderson both did, hey, hit that donate now button, wherever it is on your screen. Like they, both artists did such a great job engaging with not having an audience at all. The Vogue, besides them playing, the Vogue was silent. We didn't even clap in between songs because we were not sure, should we, or is that going to pick up on the video for people at home? I think it was a neat experience. I think we definitely learned a lot. We were the guinea pigs for a lot of that, just as well as with the wine tasting Brookfield Group, you were guinea pigs for us on trying to figure out the video stuff. And now we've learned so much through being forced to go into a virtual route to that. Events like our wine tasting event and our PIF party, even when things do get back to normal and we go back to having in-person events, these are events that can easily have a virtual component, um, a part of them. So we can engage people that don't live in Indiana that have ties, or maybe they are from this area, have family that has been in fact involved with the Heroes Foundation that want to attend in a different state. They're more than welcome to. And that's finding ways that we can learn from this. I think every avenue you see how things work so well together with wine tasting. We use the platform GiverG, and there's so many other fundraising platforms out there. We use them for our gala back in January, and we're able to do this online con- or online uh, auction. And so the little pieces that all fall into place. So for the PIF party, 
having the Vogue there to help us guide and navigate the video production side and the mandolin to host the actual concert to be able to capture people attendance as well. And Daniel there at the Brookfield Group was there during the whole uh, PIF party with us to to give us some great feedback too, as far as how to improve on this, um, ways that we can engage um, people stronger from a social media aspect, being able to then share this even after the PIF party. Because it's on a Friday evening, families have maybe other plans. Wine tasting was on a Monday and some people may not be able to attend right there at the actual event during that time frame, but want to re- you know, watch it. Within a couple of days of the PIF party, Vince, our founder, had messaged to let him know when we're going to have the video loaded so people could either rewatch it or watch it that wasn't able to ahead of time. I think that as everybody's constrained and uncomfortable with not being able to do events and having to jump in feet first into these weird virtual waters, that it's really making people think in really creative ways and really innovative ways and really think outside their comfort zone. And even like you said, even their like geographic zone, because even if we're not traveling, we have all of these tools available to engage and connect and really reach a brand new audience that you may have not even thought about before. I think during the COVID pandemic, this is really, like you said, it's forced us to think outside the box in terms of events. And there's a lot of things that we look back. I don't want to say it was ever a blessing in disguise, but it would definitely force our hand to really grow our events in a way that we never would have thought had we not been put into this situation. We do have a golf outing coming up in two weeks. That's something though that we can still have in person because it is a kind of more of a social distance type event, but we're already having conversations. Our 2021 gala is in January and we're looking at, do we, if we do the option and have to go virtual for a gala, we're having those conversations early enough now that we can make moves that be able to have a very successful gala, whether in person or virtual. I think at some point we will get back to a norm, but I think what we've learned through this in partnering with the Brookfield Group and these other platforms that we have these tools out there that we can learn from each other. And I think it's something that even on a non-event side, some of the things doing podcasts and doing podcasts with um, sponsors is something that we're looking into to do these kind of conversations about their organization and ours and how we work together and why they get involved in the Heroes Foundation as well as why support us. And I think it's a great tool that people are now more aware of that's out there. I think it's only going to help us grow even further. Absolutely. I think the biggest piece of advice that all three of us can kind of, can give everybody is Start early, start planning as soon as you can, because who knows what's going to happen in three months, six months, 12 months at this point. Exactly. Have those conversations. It does take a little bit extra work because you have to think both in person and virtual. But I think if you are prepared, we're already, you know, viewing videos of pre-recorded galas that happened back in the springtime and learning from them. How did they make, how did this organization in New York make a very successful gala and still raise over half a million dollars for their foundation and all from the comfort of their home. So I think it's something that we're, we definitely have to think of more often and find 
ways to still have very successful events. And I think that's something that it's very common. People know that they're not going to be attending events in person at the time being. And so I think people have gotten very used and comfortable to attending events at home. During the PIF party, I know some of the groups that I were talking to that were home with, you know, their kids were able to watch part of the concert because they were home and kids wouldn't have been able to attend an event at the Vogue because it's, they're not 21. And so it was a way for even to engage an entire family at the same time. Kelly and Stephanie, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, chat with me on the show. I really appreciate you. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun to walk down memory lane. <laughs> exactly. That sadly was not that long ago. I know, I know. No, thanks for having ago, us. Doesn't... One of the things that has, again, been another silver lining is the ability now after the fact for us to help other organizations that are facing the same dilemma, if you will. And we would, we're very happy to tell people about working with the Brookfield Group and our other partners that help make our event such a success. So thanks for letting us share our story. Thanks for sharing it. Yeah. Thanks, Chris.